welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, good morning again. Um, we are beginning a new series, The Bride. And this isn't, you know, it's like it's wedding season and all that. It has nothing to do with what we think of when we hear The Bride. Unless what you think of when you hear The Bride is the church. Because that's who we are. We are the bride of Christ. Men, this might be, you know, a little, take a little getting used to. It's a seven-week series, so by the end of it, you'll get it. But we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And when I say the church, I don't mean God's going to come back, Jesus is going to come back and marry the walls or the roof or the floor or the carpet of this building. He's coming back for you, each of you. You are his bride. You are beloved by him. We're going to work our way through the book of Revelation, the first couple chapters, not all of Revelation. We don't, a lot longer than seven weeks. We're going to make our way through the first couple chapters in the book of Revelation. The red letters within Revelation where Jesus speaks And he speaks through John. He gives revelation. Revelation, full exposure. He brings to full view things that were not seen, things that were hidden or were in secret. He brings revelation. And John, the writer of the book of Revelation, writes down what Jesus speaks to him. Jesus speaks to seven different churches. Seven churches that were established at the time of this writing, somewhere between 95 and 96 AD. They were the churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The reason we're doing a series on these churches is because Jesus is calling out within these writings, Jesus is calling out the good the qualities that he sees in the church that he loves. But he also speaks to the not-so-good, the things within these churches that he does not like. And he's calling them out, calling them to repentance, calling them to change, calling them to be the church that he designed and not the church that morphed into what it was feel it's important that we go through this series for ourselves to see what are the qualities that Jesus looks for from his church, from his bride. The imagery and symbolism of marriage is applied to Christ and the the body of believers known as the church. And these are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal savior. They've received eternal life. In the New Testament, Christ, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. In Ephesians chapter 5, and if you have your Bible, you can go there. If not, go ahead and write down some notes and go there later. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 25, and ladies, no elbows. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's, that's his desire for the church that he returns to. That's Jesus' desire for the bride that he will return to without spot or blemish. In the days within this writing, because we don't go through this all that often anymore, there was a betrothal period. I was betrothed to be his bride. A time in which the bride and the groom were separated until the wedding. That the bride would be separate, would make herself ready for the return of her bridegroom and would be prepared on that day, the wedding day. So was the bride of Christ separate from her bridegroom during the church age, during our time right now. The responsibility of the bride during the betrothal period was to remain faithful to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this is Paul writing to the church. And in verse 2 he says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Paul's desire as he was going and preaching and speaking and, and churches, the bride was being raised up. He himself was that of a father who raised up this daughter and said, I've prepared you for your husband. I've prepared you for the bridegroom. And there's a, there's a jealousy, a divine jealousy for you that you would be prepared, that you would be pure, that when your husband comes to get you on your wedding day, you would be ready for him. Ephesians, back to Ephesians 5, verse 24. It says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This submission conversation, it's, it's one of understanding that we're to submit as the church, as his bride, we're to submit our lives to him. We're, submit, we're to submit everything we are to him, seeking his guidance, his wisdom, his leadership, his love, and none others. At the second coming of Christ, the church will be united with the bridegroom. The official wedding ceremony will take place and with it, the eternal union of Christ and his bride will be the reality. In Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse 7. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with pure with, with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. 
And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The church, not the physical building, but you and me are the bride of Christ and we will, should be about making ourselves ready for his return and function in the way that brings life to people. We're going to look at these seven churches. And as we look at these seven churches, we can see the good and not so good qualities that Jesus speaks to these churches. And we can begin to model ourselves after the things that he's looking for in his bride. Today we're looking at the church in Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, get ready. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Turn all the way to the right. Get out of the appendix and the concordances. Find the chapters and verses and you'll find the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Some background on Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, that is addressed at, this, at the beginning of chapter 2. Ephesus was located on the western coast of what is modern-day Turkey. It was famous for the temple of Artemis. Artemis was the goddess of the hunt. Bows and arrows, and she was venerated by all, worshipped by all in Ephesus. The people of Ephesus, they took great pride No one worshipped Artemis better or more than the people that lived in Ephesus. Artemis was who they loved. The temple served as the center for localized worship to whom the citizens of Ephesus were probably the most devoted. Additionally, there was another sect called the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, Nicolaitan meaning conqueror of people. They were accused of dominating the people and they followed the practices of Balaam, joining in idolatrous worship and and forced people into practices of fornication. Sexual worship was part of their practice, it was a sexual perversion. The church of Ephesus, the believers, those who called themselves Christians in this culture and in this paradigm where you have Artemis, who today would be the the, the modern day Katniss Everdeen, And and the Nicolaitans, who today would be pretty much everyone else. Because all of that that they tried to push on their people is what we celebrate in our culture today. Sex will make you happy. Weird sex will make you happier. Drug-induced sex will make you even happier. All of these things, this is the culture that they find themselves in. And the church in Ephesus rejected the Nicolaitans because they knew that they were practicing the works not of God, but of some man-made perversion. They were following the pleasures of the flesh. So the Ephesian church separated themselves. They pulled themselves away. They withdrew 
because they didn't want to be involved in false teaching. They didn't want to be impurified or, I don't know, ruined, soiled, dirtied. But in the process, they lost something. They lost their first love. They forgot why they were doing what they were doing in the first place. It's interesting. You can do many great things. You can do lots of good stuff. You can serve at soup kitchens. and You can give money to the homeless and help them out. Maybe even bring them into your house. Let them take a shower and feed them and stay there. Get them into some vocational rehabilitation so that they can get a job and earn a good living. You can help old ladies across the street. You can do all sorts of good things. But you can also miss it all. Without Jesus as your Savior, you can do a lot of really good things, but you can miss the mark. And the church in Ephesus, while commended for doing all the right things, they were also spoken to and rebuked and corrected. You've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten why you're doing all of these good things in the first place. I, be, I believe they became so focused on being moral that they separated themselves to the point that they no longer could influence the culture that they were in. They separated themselves. They isolated themselves. They hunkered down in Fort God. We're going to worship Jesus, but we're going to worship Jesus just in this little room so that we can't be ruined by any of those outsiders, those filthy sinners. And this is why Jesus asked them to repent and return to their first love and start doing what they once did. Where are we with this? Have we become moral to the point where we no longer hang with the people who don't know Jesus? Ask yourself that question. When you're at work, do you just sit out in your car and I'm just going to listen to worship music and eat my lunch out here by myself because I can't listen to what they talk about at lunch. When you're at school, do you just get together with a little prayer group and we're just going to sit here and pray and we're not going to talk to anyone else. We're just going to pray that God would keep us safe from all these evil forces in the school. When you're in your neighborhood, are there parties going on? Fourth of July, Christmas. We're not going to gather together with them because they might be drinking. Someone might say a foul word. So we're just going to hang out in our house and we'll watch Frosty. <laughs> if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 1, says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. 
I'd love to get a letter that starts this way. Like, I, I know all the stuff that you have to go through. I know the, the things that you're enduring, and you're enduring them for my name's sake. I know that you're patiently waiting for my return. Thank you. Like, I, I would long for a letter that begins with a paragraph like that. And then we continue on with verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You've abandoned the love you had at first. It's interesting, he references lampstands. Talks about seven lampstands. And he speaks to them in the context of seven churches. Each church had a lampstand symbolizing the the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God among them. And Jesus is saying to them, if you continue to walk in such a way that you're doing all the good stuff, but you're not doing it with the motivation, with the heart of the love that you've received from me, that first love that you had for me. If you continue doing all these things, but you do it without love, and you don't repent, and you don't turn back to do the things you once did at first, and have that love that you had at first, I'm going to remove from you my presence. I'm going to take my presence from you. I'm going to remove this lampstand. So Jesus is now addressing John. And as he's addressing John, he's speaking to John and telling him, speak to these churches, write these letters to these churches so that they, so that they will change, so that they will repent. He's not just pointing fingers and, ah, you're bad people and walking away. I wash my hands of you. He's calling them to a point of repentance. Change your behavior. Change your attitude. Change your action. Remember your first love. Would we still do these things today? We should, but, but, but for some reason we get familiar and we feel like we know each other well enough that we can start coexisting, the church and culture, and we can, we can kind of intermingle. I can come on Sunday morning and I can hear a word and I can come up for prayer at the end, and then I can go back and I can also join in and hang out with Artemis. I can also listen to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And maybe jump into a little perversion here and there. But that's okay, because I'll come back. I'll be here next Sunday. I'll see you then. And we can go back and forth and back and forth. Because we forget our first love. We forget the reason why we're here in the first place. And it becomes just a checklist. Just a thing we do. I, I attended church. You don't attend something that you are. You are the church 
We are the church. We are his people. This whole idea of love. I, we, my, my wife and I meet with different couples and do you know, marriage mentoring. And one of the questions we ask, usually one of the first questions I'll ask as I start hearing, you know, oh, well, she never does this, or she does this, and she, when she does this, it bugs me, or when he does this, or when he doesn't do this, or when he does this, blah, 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 and it's just back and forth. Just you, you, you. And one of the first questions, and some of you, you're in the room, you've heard this question before. Can, can you remember what it was like when you guys first fell in love? Do you remember the passion that you had for her or for him? What was that like? T- talk to me about it. Tell me about it. Because we need to remind ourselves. That's when, when we're having issues with our relationships, you need to go back to the root. Like, what brought you together in the first place? Why are you still together? You're pointing fingers at each other now, but you weren't always pointing fingers at each other. There was a time where everything was awesome. Everything was cool. Everything. She brought me coffee in the morning and made me bacon. Every breakfast was just heavenly. We would talk and we would gaze into each other's eyes and I would get lost in her eyes. There was that time where, like, passion. You couldn't keep your hands off her, and she couldn't keep her hands off you. There was a time where you longed, I'm at work, but all I want to do is be home with my woman. Texting throughout the day, I miss you, I love you, can't wait to see you. Or maybe go back a few decades. No, you hang up. Are you still there? Love like you did it first. Do the things you did at first. Love like you did it first. Remember your first love. Go back to that first love. Remember why you fell in love. Remember why you chose Jesus. Because this is like ways. What brought you to the point where you said yes to Jesus? What brought you to the point that you said, I can't, God, without you, I'm nothing. I need you in my life. Remember your first love. Go back to that because it's not about all the good stuff you can do. It's about the life that you live in good relationship with your first love. Go back to your first love. Love like you did it first. Do you remember when you first, like, let's take a moment. Maybe, actually, for some of you, like, oh, that was last week. Man, it's so exciting. And now you're pointing fingers at me. That maybe for you it was last week. And you fell in love, madly in love with Jesus. Maybe for some of you, go in the way back machine. Hang out with Mr. Peabody for a little while. And remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Jesus. 
There was an excitement in your life. Man, I got to tell you what happened. I got to tell you, like, this is crazy. It's weird. It's wild. It's amazing. It's exciting. Because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, man, God took away my sins. All this weight that I've been carrying and feeling all burdened. I'm free. Remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. You couldn't not talk to people. Matter of fact, you were labeled like, just leave Jim alone in the, in the break room. Don't ask him how he's doing today. You know, how was your weekend? Oh man, let me tell you. And you were so eager to share the excitement. Some of you, maybe you ditched all your old music. I can't listen to this anymore. I've got to burn my CDs. Or maybe you didn't go to the camp that I went to. Um, and you just, you had to rid yourself of all those things from your past. I've, I can't listen to this music anymore. I'm, I'm gonna, I, and so you just find yourself listening to worship music nonstop. It's the Chris Tomlin channel on Pandora. And it's just nonstop. And you're listening to it and you praise Jesus. Yes, amen. But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, I don't know, you just started feeling like, well, I'm, I have another meeting to go to at church. Yeah, we've got life group. I'm supposed to make a snack. Somewhere along the way, you forget your first love. The passion, the excitement, that newness of what he did, you forgot. Put yourself back in that spot. Find yourself back in that miry clay. And remember how he pulled you up out of it. The life that you had when you first said yes to Jesus. The excitement. Love like you did it first. It's not about feeling. It's about a love relationship that compels us to action. It's not about just doing stuff because it's good and it's moral and it's right. This will get me a pat on the back. It's about a love relationship that compels us to act. We can do this with God as well. Unfortunately, all too often we do. That's why when we ask people, if you've never given your life to Jesus and some people respond, we then also have to ask that disclaimer question. If you've given your life to Jesus like 75 other times, but you know that you've lost that love and feeling and you want it back, would you raise your hand? And there's recommitments to Christ. Now, I'm not against recommitments at all. I'll, I'll tell you straight out, I get saved in the shower every morning. I, I recommit my life to Jesus. I reaffirm, I'm in this with you together. But if our life is just a series of roller coaster rides with ups and downs, and every time there's a down, we find ourselves walking away from Jesus and only looking for the high times, love like you did at first. And do what you did at first. Remember your first love once again.
Jesus was telling them that if they didn't return to their first love, that he would remove the lampstand, that he would take his presence, take his spirit from them. Without loving like we did at first, we cannot do what we did at first that express the love that God has for people. It's our first love that creates our... It's our first love that creates the passion within us that we can go forward and we can continually share this love with others. It's our first love. It's remembering our first love and dwelling in our first love that truly makes us effective for the kingdom of God. What happens when we focus on being moral? We become religious. And I know that there's no life in religion. We're not about traditions. We're not about rituals. We're about life-giving relationships with the Savior of the world. Jesus wants a relationship with us that is fresh and alive. The bottom line here is that Jesus is saying that in their effort to be good, they've become religious. And the cure for that is to come back to their first love that they had with Jesus to remember once again why they fell in love with him in the first place. So where are we at? And I'll ask this question. Just pause for a moment and reflect. Ask yourself, where where am I at? How is my love for Jesus? He doesn't want us just to be good because eventually our relationship will dry up. Not only that, our effectiveness in loving the world around us will dry up. Things that you do become just chores, projects to get done with no passion. And as that passion subsides, effectiveness goes with it. Our first love for Jesus is needed for us to be effective change agents for our city. The community that we're a part of, the region that we live in, they need us to love them through the love of Christ. It's been little over 18 years that we've been a part of this church and this community. And I find just over time, more and more, as I connect with people and meet with different groups and agencies, God expands my heart of love for this community. I say this community, not just Pembroke, not just Concord, the capital region. There are 18 different towns and a city within the capital region. And what it needs most of all is Jesus. And a lot of people who love Jesus that would love the capital region. That's how we'll see transformation take place. That's how we will see towns and cities restored. It's good to hate all the junk in our city. It's good to hate drugs. Could get at least one amen from that. 
It's good to hate the stuff that brings destruction in the lives of people all around us. But hating sin without knowing our first love will separate us and will become judgmental and it will make us ineffective in reaching those who desperately need Jesus, who desperately need to experience hope and love. Jesus had a problem with Pharisees because they were legalistic. They were all about following the rules. They were all about doing the right thing at the right time, wearing the right clothing at that time. He had, a promise, uh, he had a problem with them because they focused on right and wrong, morality, without leading people to freedom. In, instead, putting people in a place of shame and guilt. For us to be the bride of Christ, the people of the church who are acting like his bride, we need to love like we did it first. And we need to do what we did at first. It's when we do this that we can live a, love a city back to health. You can go to dark places and you can bring people into places of freedom, places of light, understanding that if we repent from forgetting our first love and the lampstand remains, God's presence remains, that lampstand represents light and where there is light, darkness cannot be. Light drives out darkness. You are the bride of Christ, his church. You are that light. Wherever you go, the lampstand goes with you. Wherever you go, his presence goes with you. Bringing people back to places of freedom, wholeness, where they will experience health and love. That's who we're called to be. That's the people, his bride, his church. That's who we are. Jesus asked the church of Ephesus to repent, to come back to their first love. And maybe this morning, that's what we need to do. If we find ourselves in a place where we find ourselves in a place where we have not remembered, why are we here in the first place? What is this that we're about? Love Jesus like you first did and your love will last and his kingdom will come to the capital region and heal the brokenhearted. Jesus says he'll remove that lampstand from the Ephesian church. I don't want it gone from ours. Worship team's gonna come up, I guess. And as they do, I want to ask that you just close your eyes right where you're at so you're not distracted by people walking around and picking up instruments. Just close your eyes and reflect. Where are you today? Have you forgotten your first love? Do you do lots of good things but Love for Christ isn't the motivating force behind those good things. Speak to him. He called the church of Ephesus to repentance. If you find yourself in that place, I encourage you to repent. 
to speak out an apology to God, but also to ask for him to restore you. Similar to David, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Bring back to me the love, that first love that I experienced. Restore passion, renew energy. Equip me in such a way, God, with your Holy Spirit that I'm effective, not necessarily for the, because of the good that I do, but because of the love that I do it through. Consider your life. Consider where you're at. Consider the things you do. Father, I pray for each person that's here. Lord, for those who have been serving you for years, going to church, doing good things, and yet somewhere along the way, God, they lost the passion, they lost the excitement, they forgot their first love. Lord, I I pray right now that you would restore to them that, that passion. God, I pray that you would bring recall to their first love. Repentance would take place and it would take place in such a way that restoration would take place. God, for those who are here and would find themselves in a place where, and I, I don't know what you're talking about, this first love. For those who have never said yes to Jesus, God, but they've been living their life in such a way that they, as they ask questions, as they find things out more and more about you, God, as they, as they hear about the love that you have for them, about the hope about the future that you promised for them. God, for those that are here who don't know you yet, God, I pray that today would be a day where they would say yes. And today would be a day filled not only with great joy and love, but also great promise for their future. Lord, we want your presence to go with us at all times, in all places. Help us to remember our first love. Help us never to lose that love. That the things we do, God, would be done because of that love. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.